Welcome to the Unfeigned Faith Bible Study, where we'll be doing a weekly Bible study, typically going through a book of the Bible together, and uh, this will go alongside our regular Unfeigned Faith podcast. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Colossians 3. Yesterday we didn't get as far as I thought we would, but I uh, got a lot of good feedback. I hope it was a help. As we talked about a topic that uh, people hate, <laughs> you want to get some people upset real quick, start talking about wives submitting. And um, But I hope that was a good balance and uh, that we handled it well. But, uh, you know, the, the biggest issue, most principles in the Bible are not difficult. Um, there are some things, what is this actually saying here? And there's some areas you might need to dig and, and, and try to pull out, cross-reference, uh, what, what have you. But, um, but some are just plain and simple right there. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Husbands, love your wives. And, and I like how it's reiterated in Ephesians, which we'll all talk on in just a minute. But uh, um, Colossians 3, remember, we're talking in the context of putting on Christ. Um, letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Uh, Christ having the preeminence. And so, so these are all... These all have the concept of not what you think, but what God thinks. Uh, the previous chapter he talked about, be careful because there are people with philosophies, vain deceit. They're trying to pull you away. They're going to try to beguile you, trick you. Uh, that's the word used as the devil tricked Eve, beguiled her. And so, so we're going to be careful that our own thoughts, our own philosophies are, are, are not going against the, 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 the truth of Christ. And I don't even want to call it a philosophy. It's truth. If the Bible says it, declares it, it's truth. And so, so as we look at that and we consider this, um, we gotta we got to come to grips with the fact that if God said it, then I need to come up into agreement with that. I need to get my thinking in line with that. Um, uh, or else, you know, it's, I'm, I'm usurping authority. I'm saying that my way is greater than God's. And so with all that in mind, the word of Christ dwelling in you, putting on Christ, and... Uh, uh, these things. We come to verse 18 again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back and touch on 18, then we're going to dive into the rest. But again, it says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. And we emphasized a little bit yesterday on uh, your own husbands. It's a lot easier to submit to uh, someone else, maybe in authority, a pastor, um, a boss even. Uh, now I'm not saying you should be in rebellion, you know, ladies, if you, if you work outside the home, uh, in rebellion to your boss or anything like that. But it's amazing how, how, you know, we may look at those people as authorities in our lives and almost ignore the main, uh, uh, one that God's placed in your life. Remember we talked about kind of a, uh, a structure, a, um, <clears throat> an order uh, of authority, if you would, a, uh, organizational flowchart. Okay. And it's not to say any is more valuable or more important than the other, just like, you know, as far as a, 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 an organization, a, a, a workplace, no, no life is more valuable than another or even opinions, thoughts. But there is an organization, there is a, there is a flow or else nothing gets done. All right. And, and that's really what it's about. Everyone has their place. All right. And we're going to talk about children a little bit. Children uh, should not leave the home. If anything, they're being trained uh, about relationships. They're being trained about the, these kinds of things that we're talking about, but they don't lead the home. They have a part in the home, and this is a part of that flow. One day, just like in the workplace, they may, they'll be promoted, okay? Uh, we have older kids and younger kids. The older ones have a little more responsibilities than the young ones. They've been promoted, 
right? And uh, but they don't they don't call the shots, okay? And so just a, just a few thoughts with that, and and uh, if you didn't get yesterday's, get yesterday's, get the balance. I don't want to reiterate all that stuff, but I did want to touch on one thing. What if a woman does not have a husband to submit to? You'd say, "Yay, I'm free." <laughs> uh, and I want to kind of address that. What are your thoughts, Carrie? Yeah, before we get into that. Well, no one on earth is without authority above them. And God designed it that way very deliberately. Um, Like you talked about the um, the part of the passage where it says that, you know, and the man is in submission to Christ and even Christ himself is in submission to God the Father. 1 Corinthians 11. Um, If if you... um, as as a woman, if I if I didn't have uh, a husband, then honestly my um, my authority would default to just whatever authority was already in place. Whether it was my father, you know, if, even for like an 18, 25 year old, you know, person, it, you uh, you still honor and, and respect and follow the the leadership guidance of your you know your father. Um, when, when that father is no longer in the picture or, you know, able, um, you still have a pastor, um, just because that one, um, that one role is not in your life. You just go up the next, um, part of the, the chain of command there. And, um, um, hopefully everybody would have a pastor. That's something that we need to, um, we need to make sure we put ourselves in that position to have the authority of a, a pastor and that leadership, spiritual guidance in our lives. And, um, um, yeah, it's even more important yeah. if you, if you don't have anyone else that you, you find a, a church that you can trust and a pastor you can trust to, to put yourself into some authority. Um, because everybody is to have some. Well, and the reality is, yeah. Yeah. And the, and the reality is, you know, when, when, in the marriage, relationship the two are one flesh there's gonna be a lot more discussion on day-to-day things and coming to agreements and submission and things like that and so so when you talk about on that level you know you're not gonna be calling up the pastor every every day what should i do today <laughs> you know there's gonna be some living but uh but there is an aspect of um big decisions and counsel and i think this is one of the implications of um <clears throat> of uh the deacons in uh, Acts chapter six, the widows were neglected. So, so on the one hand, my wife mentioned a young lady that's not married. Well, you're under your parents for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his own wife and the two shall be one flesh. Um, there's the leaving and cleaving. You're, it's an exchange of authority and accountability, uh, for, for the young person. All right. So maybe, maybe a young person, 25 or so is out of the home. Maybe she went to college, maybe whatever the case may be. You need to intentionally keep yourself under the authority of your father, okay, and and parents collectively even. Um, on the uh, then there's also the aspect uh, that's addressed in the, in the, uh, I believe Paul addresses it to, to Timothy, and it talks about um, either Paul Paul or uh, or Peter, one of their epistles, but uh, uh, where it talks about how the elderly women teach or mentor the younger women. And they teach them a couple things, how to love their husbands, how to uh, be keepers at home, uh, all these things, basically the lessons they've learned. So there's even an aspect of having some godly lady mentors. That's for married or or not, but but especially the married there in that context. Um, but then on the other end of the spectrum, a widow, 
Okay. Now the Bible gives some indicate uh, some, some clarification. There is uh, there are there are widows, and there are those that are called widows indeed. A widow, the responsibility goes to her sons. All right, to her children to take care of her. All right, uh, and um, but if she has no one. The responsibility goes to the church, all right? So there was a uproar in Acts 6. The church had gotten so big, and some of the widows were being neglected. So the, the pastors, if I could use that term, the, the spiritual leaders, they said, we need some godly people to elect to this to take care of these issues and to, to minister to the widows. And I think part of the implication there is, yes, there, there's going to be a, uh, meeting some physical needs, um, uh, you know, uh, taking care of home maintenance, uh, taking care of some of the running errands. But I think there's also an aspect of even uh, some guidance and uh, helping along the way. My, uh, my grandmother, she was a widow, and, uh, and uh, she met, there was a man, man in the church who was a widower. They're both veteran missionaries. Uh, he had served in Africa. She had served in Papua New Guinea. And, uh, and he started courting her. He asked um, my dad, my grandmother's son, for permission to court her. When it came time that he wanted to marry her, he asked all the sons. He had, there were four sons, and he asked for the son's permission. And, uh, well, she was a widow. And quite frankly, they met her needs uh, 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 for a large part. And it was a beautiful wedding because all four sons walked her down the aisle and gave their mother to marry this man. This was a widow. There, were, there was no father to give her away. This was a widow. So great, great image imagery there of, of having some men who love God, who, who godly men in their lives. And so, so there's some thoughts for those that don't have a husband. I still think it's part of God's plan of safety and protection and wisdom. And not, it's not saying you are not smart to make decisions. It's none of those things, but there is safety and multitude of counselors. All right. And, and you know, the Bible says that um, those authorities, they watch for your soul. Yeah. Everyone should have one. Even you as a you know young adult in the military, living out of state, um, you didn't mm-hmm. uh, ask me to marry you until your your parents gave you permission. My parents actually said no uh, early on, and so I said okay. <laughs> and I think it so it took them by surprise. Uh, this is a different boy than what left our house, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's for but, uh, but you honor your parents. Uh, we could tell stories of time were to permit of those that even called off engagements because parents weren't on board, and and but then how God blessed later and God worked in circumstances, and what a tremendous testimony and story. Um, so we have wives, uh, husbands. Uh, this, if we really understood this, this is so much heavier than what the wives have. Husbands, love your wives. Command, imperative, love your wives. And I like what uh, what Paul says to in Ephesians, Ephesians five. Husbands, love your wives. Here's an example. Even as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. I need to love my wife in such an extreme way that I'm laying down my life for my wife. Now, any one of us would say, you know, oh, I'd take a bullet. How many opportunities do you have to take a bullet for somebody, first of all? Second of all, who can react that fast? You know, you see in the movies, it's always slow motion, right? No! (laughs) But, uh, uh, you know, we'll say that. But are you willing to live for your wife? Are you willing to lay down your pride for your wife? To give your life, right? To lay down your ambitions, expectations, so you two can be one flesh. Or even do the dishes. <laughs> even do the dishes. <laughs> and uh, that's my wife's love language. Uh, do the dishes for her. Uh, that's a good one, by the way. Love language. All right? Men, learn your wife's love language. All right? Um, not, not the way that you communicate love, but the way she responds to love. 
And, uh, and well, that's not what that's not natural for me. Great opportunity for you to lay down your life to communicate. All right. Mm -hmm. But love your wives. It is a command, not a feeling. Hollywood, you know, talk, paints this picture, you know, fall in love. You know, the Bible says you don't fall in love. Falling is an accident. You grow in love. All right. It's amazing. Some of these countries that have arranged marriages have almost no divorce. <laughs> Why is that? Because they don't look at it like, in fact, many of those countries, I've talked with people that, that had arranged marriage. And they'll say, Americans have this foolish notion. And that's why they jump from relationship to relationship. And they don't understand um, these things. And, and we, we've, we've got it all confused. You know, we are to grow in love. It's a command. Husbands, love your wives. Get in there. Love her. Uh, be a part of her life. The Bible talks about dwelling with her according to knowledge. I had to have a PhD in karyology. <laughs> I had to know my wife, right? And uh, uh, study her, know her. What, what, what makes her tick? What is her love language? How can I express what's in here? You see, um, anything you want to say to that? Mm -hmm. Okay, <laughs> go, go ahead. Um, I, I think in, um, in talking about how husbands are supposed to love their wives, I, I just think you have to do it in a way that counts. Um, if if to you um showing love means hanging out together so all you know that's not that's not his love language but if it were you know and also all he wants to do is say oh come on and sit down and watch tv with me um meanwhile or sit down and watch me while i work in my car or yeah, whatever. yeah and and for some people that's really important and it means a lot you know for me it's like um acts of service and it's doing things i'm i'm kind of a doer and um, so if i've got a pile of things that have to be done and he's just like oh just come sit down that does not say love to me and so even though to him he thinks uh like oh you know i i you know, I don't know, do A, B, and C, all these things to, to show my wife she loves her and she's just not responding. To me, that's not the message I'm getting. And so I feel day after day, he's not loving me. He's, you know, he's not doing this, this, and this, what I had in mind. And so it is really important to have some communication and find out what makes, you know, your yeah. wife feel loved and, and really vice versa. Um, wives need to be doing the same thing. You have to be speaking that language or it really doesn't count. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, you got to be aware of your interpretation of what the other is doing. Mm -hmm. So just because he might want time, don't take it, you know, make sure you're aware of it. Oh yeah. That's his language. That doesn't mean he dis he doesn't like me. It doesn't mean he's disrespecting or not showing love, but on both sides of the equation, be, be aware and conscious of uh, some of those concepts. And then it says, husbands, don't be bitter against them. Don't let that root of bitterness come in. It's going to destroy the whole home. It's going to destroy your children's view of what a good, healthy marriage is. Um, bitterness. Uh, boy, I see guys, I'll see them at the grocery store or what have you. You can just tell by the way they respond to each other, the way they talk to each other. That man's bitter against his wife. He's tired of his marriage. He's stuck in it. And, um, you know, uh, I've done uh, I've done a few weddings in my uh, in my life, and every time I've uh, I've basically said, you know, something along the lines of, uh, uh, you know, marriage can be a little taste of heaven on earth, or the opposite. <laughs> you know, and it really can be. Yeah, the one whom you marry has the potential to make you the happiest person in the world, but also has the potential to make you miserable, and you have that power as well. And uh, and uh, don't be bitter. Get to the root of it. Find out. And, and you know what's going to fix this? Here's the, here's the problem. We don't talk. 
we like to be entertained. You know, we, and we, we've fallen into this trap before. We haven't talked in a while. We, we, we spend every evening together. Yeah. Well, watching something on TV or whatever, that doesn't really count. Okay. We need to talk. We need to, 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 to know each other. What's going on in that brain? All right. Um, and in the context of being bitter against them is wives submitting to the husbands. So I'm, that just makes me think that, you know, even if they don't, your wife is supposed to be submitting, even if she doesn't, you're not supposed to get bitter at them yeah and stop loving them you got to keep loving them and um keep doing your part and that's where it gets real easy to get bitter is is an unsubmissive wife you know so again we're trying to address both sides of the equation here you know when i'm in a counseling session uh i'm going to focus just on you know when i'm with a man i'm going to focus on just the man's responsibility if we're counseling together or my wife's counseling with a lady uh we're going to focus on her responsibility because you can't control the other person Right now we're kind of doing trying to go back and forth you know on it but uh but the reality is uh it's hard uh it does get difficult to keep loving that unconditionally when there is no submission it's very difficult to keep submitting when there is no love all right and so both sides of this equation they really when you do your part it's only going to strengthen that equation and encourage the other to do theirs and uh so i want to say keep fighting don't be weary in well-doing in due season you'll reap if you faint not keep on doing your responsibility. Don't preach to them. Don't be the Holy Ghost to your spouse. He said, let me tell you a little secret about men. We, uh, we wrestle with the Holy Ghost every day. We know we're not doing everything we're supposed to do. We know there's some struggles in our lives and we, and we wrestle every day. Uh, when, when, when the wife starts trying to be the Holy Ghost in your life, guess what? Now he's going to wrestle with you. Okay. Um, but be that encourager, the, the uplifter, encourage the positives. You're going in the right direction, you know, and, and things. And let me touch on children. <clears throat> Again, we're talking about relation, family relationships, um, that structure system. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And then he, he so we have the imperative, obey. Children, obey. Uh, I know there's, you know, the, 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 in the Ten Commandments, honor thy father and mother. You know, it's hard to honor without obeying. All right. Uh, now, once you're out of the home and things, it, it, it changes a little bit. But honor should always be there. You know, you're married and stuff. My parents don't call me up and say, Aaron, you need to do this. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not under your roof anymore. I have my own family. I got to take care. Uh, it doesn't make sense. But I, I need to honor them. Okay. But in the home, children, you need to obey your parents in all things. And then he gives a motivation. And this is something our children need to understand. Challenge your children to walk with God for themselves. That this is a very important motivator. This is pleasing. This is well-pleasing unto the Lord. You want to make God happy. You know, sometimes when we discipline our children, we, we, we'll, we'll show the what the violation was, what the principle was. And, and we'll, we'll say, do you think that makes Jesus happy? You know, we, we, need, we want to encourage them to live with the motivation of pleasing Him, pleasing our Savior. This is what we, we even talked about in a, a few lessons ago with the handwriting ordinances and all that. What is our motivation now? Uh, if the law is taken out of the way, what's the motivation? It's not about punishment. It's about, I want to please Him. This is well-pleasing to the Lord. Children, those parents are an authority. They're, and in, in essence, they're representative representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Ephesians 5, the whole context starts out. Be followers of God as dear children. Then talks about husbands and wives. And in chapter 6, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That's in the context of following God. When you are in rebellion to your parents, you are in rebellion to God. Children need to understand that. And, uh, and parents need to understand that. You need not tolerate it. Rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. 
you're tolerating witchcraft in your home when you allow rebellion. Okay, and uh, this is that chain of command. Um, I don't want to belabor the children. I think that's a uh, uh, that's that's a very easy thing to to look at. But uh, let me let me bring in verse twenty one as we wrap it up because <clears throat> we're talking about fa- uh, husbands. Now we're talking about their role as fathers. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. There's so much in there, and, and this might need to spill into tomorrow. Provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. There are several ways we can provoke our children to anger. Uh, a couple of uh, years ago, I, I did a series on um, on parenting, and we were talking about there's four types of of discipline. And uh, let me see if I remember them real quick on top of my head. One is uh, instruction, instruction with um, with cor- is it correction, instruction with correction. Uh, and that's the best one. That's going to that's going to produce fruit. They know what they're supposed to do, and it's reinforced. All right. Mm-hmm. Then we have instruction with no discipline. Uh, it's like there's no teeth in it. They've been told what to do, but there's no. You know, you can only inspect what you. Uh, you can only expect what you inspect. Okay. You've given them. You know. You said clean your room. If you don't check it, they don't clean their room. All right. It's just that's just how it is. Human nature. All right. It's uh, and then and then we have no instruction, no discipline. There's an unruly child. They don't they don't know what they're doing. They, a child left to himself, the Bible says, brings his mother to shame. All right. And then you have <clears throat> no instruction, but you have discipline. You use your discipline to teach. This will create a very frustrated child, a very sheepish child. Why? Because they don't know what's right and wrong. They've not been told. All right. And so. So, uh, you know, they, they, they do something that you're not pleased with, but you never expressed it. Get over here and you whoop them. They didn't know. See, you're going you're gonna to create a broken heart, a bitter child, a discouraged child. And, uh, you know, we so careful with this. And, uh, and I've seen it. Some, people, some parents, that's the only parenting they do. They don't give them any instruction, but they know what they don't like in their children. And so whenever they do something they don't like, they do that. The child has no clue what they're supposed to do. All right. And so so really, the last three, every one of those can discourage a child. The first one is is balance. It's, it's scripture. Scripture tells you to instruct your child. Scripture tells you not to spare the rod. Scripture tells you these things, but they have to come together. Um, if there is uh, If there's been no law given, how can you enforce it? That's the point. So here's a, here's a very important thing. Provoke them not to anger, lest they be discouraged. Now, the word discouraged, what, what, is, what, is, what does it really mean? Let's break that down. I think sometimes we think of discouraged as, you know, we're sad, we're down. But discourage. What is courage? Courage is, you know, is um, I'm able to go forward. I've got a confidence. I'm I'm going forward in the face of fear. There's courage, right? And by the way, in this life, we need a lot of courage. We need a boldness to to do what we've been called to do and to take risks, even. And what happens? What what, what happens when we put dis in front of it? What's the opposite of courage? You've taken the courage right out of them. You've you've taken the fire. You've taken the the umph. They don't want to do anything. And uh, and so here's what happens. You're going to create a child that has no motivation. A child that that does not know where to turn. A child, and let me say this, you you train your child like this and you lead them to anger, not only are they going to turn their back on you, they're going to turn their back on your God. 
because you've just portrayed that to them, that that's what God is like. And, uh, and so we want to be so careful. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. And in fact, that same phrase is used in, uh, in Ephesians, and it says this, but here's, here's what you ought to do. Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, in the instruction and the discipline, and have it balanced, all right? Or else it's going to fall apart on you. And, um, and so be so careful with that. And we want to make sure that we're balanced. Um, a good book I recommend on this, two of them actually, uh, 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 by um, Tripp, Ted, Ted Tripp. <laughs> um, Shepherding a Child's Heart and Instructing a Child's Heart. Uh, I, I recommend both. One is a little more the practical, one's a little more philosophical, but um, uh, all scripture and it's really good stuff. But I, I'd encourage that and, and uh, I think that would be a blessing to you. Um, you have anything you want to add to that, any of that, Gary? No, I think it's good. Okay. The, uh, that last one with, uh, you know, disciplining without instruction, I, th I think that's the most common. Yeah. Um, uh, we see, uh, even, even small things like, uh, they, if they didn't do something the right way, you know, they tried, right. but they didn't do it well, but they've never really had, had you come alongside them and do it with them so that they are able capable of doing the way that you wanted them to do it but then they pay for it afterwards right or maybe your child embarrassed you they threw a fit in public or or something like that and and you're more lashing out on them out of embarrassment feeling like you need to do something but have they been instructed have they been taught you know um and so it's so, so careful because uh if, if you ask a child why did you get a spanking and they can't answer honestly. Like maybe when when they calm down, you know, they're like, I don't know, you know, you know. <laughs> okay, um, but uh, but even in that process, that they understand what principle that you taught them was violated. Otherwise, I'll be honest, with you, they're a victim, and they're going to see it themselves as a victim. That uh, my mom and dad just don't love me, uh, whatever it is. And so, and that, so that's be probably careful. another way to provoke them to anger is to discipline them for things that are not sins. Mm -hmm. um, Spilled milk. Yeah, um, embarrassing you in public is not a sin. <laughs> it's more yeah. more your sin than theirs. If you're you want to you want to be sure you're embarrassing your children for rebellion, and just and you said embarrassing your children for rebellion. You want to discipline your children <laughs> for rebellion, and uh, and disobedience. You know, well, uh, disobedience, rebellion. Oh, that's what it's uh, for: rebellion and attitude. Okay, mm -hmm. and uh, they could obey with a bad attitude. They should be taken care of that as well. And so you want to do things. You want to obey. You want to do it with a sweet spirit. Um, if there was no rebellion, if they were just being children, uh, they spilled their food, they, they, you know, messed something what, up, messed something up. Something by um, be careful. You're going to discourage them because they're still learning how to use their, their hands. <laughs> they're still learning, uh, hand-eye coordination, you know, these kinds of things. Yeah. And I, so I, be patient. You, you may have lost something that's valuable. All right. Was there an instruction that was violated? That's what you got to ask. Or were they just being children? Use it as a teaching moment, sit down with them. Hey, this is something very valuable and we just need to be more careful. All right. But boy, you don't discipline them just because they were clumsy. Now, if they're running through the house and there was a rule against running through the house and they broke it, make sure you emphasize the rule that was broken, not how much it hurt you. Okay. And uh, just make sure things are in the proper uh, order there. And we could probably spend a whole week on just this topic. Maybe we will. Um, but I hope that's a, it's a blessing.